Hey guys, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Dangood Podcast. My name's Edward Court, aka the Funk Lord, and I'm your host today. Originally, I wanted to release this episode over two weeks ago, and honestly, I haven't released it because I felt like it was a bad episode on my end. So I did a bad job interviewing Steven. I was nervous, I was stuttering, and the inner perfectionist was very present, but boy, I was wrong. After listening to the footage, after looking at the video recording, after picking out the bits, after removing some of the ums and ahs, it turned out an awesome episode. It's short, it's concise, it's to the point, it's snappy, so I'm pretty sure it will be of great value to lots of you. So that's it, that's all I wanted to share. I'm doing fine, thanks a lot for asking, I hope you do too, and I hope each and every one of you listening will pull through whatever is happening right now and we'll come out better, stronger on the other end. All right, that's it on my end and let's go. You're listening to the Damn Good Podcast with Edward Court, the go-to resource to help you navigate the murky waters of the new music business. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you doing? I really appreciate you coming on. So most probably 99% of people listening know you. They know who you are and what you do. But for those 1% who don't, please let us know who you are and what you do. Steven Slate, and I run Slate Digital and Slate Audio. Right on. How's the quarantine? Quarantine's going uh, well. I mean, you know, we're, we're making our way just like everyone else is, trying to learn to figure out how to navigate this new type of world. It's kind of like an alternate reality. We're using Zoom, or actually we use Google Hangout meetings. And uh, so far, I mean, we've been pretty productive, I'd say. It's, it it, it was, took a little bit of an adjustment, but I think we're doing pretty well with it. Are you in the office now? No, I'm in my house. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no one's in the office. Uh, I mean, actually, I mean, maybe one or two people stop in there, here and there. I have to stop in today briefly, but no, uh, we, we are not in office. There's a stay-at-home order in Los Angeles for all non-essential businesses, um, which we are once. So we right. State. Well, singles for, for everything in Berlin right now. Although, although it became better, the only things that are closed right now are the restaurants and fitness studios, things mm-hmm. like that. But most, yeah. most shops opened last week. Um, I'm still waiting on, on the barber shops to get my beard done, finally, uh, yeah. and, and the fitness studios. Everything else is kind of slowly coming back to normal, which is a good sign overall, because my girlfriend is stuck in Russia, and oh, I'll well. probably see her in a couple of months, maybe in two yeah. or three months when they open. The, because the borders are probably the last things that are going to be open, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like in the, the least important thing. So that sucks. But overall, it's okay. Yeah. Wow. What kind of changes did um, happen at your, at your company? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is that during a quarantine, you got to find stuff to do. You're stuck at home. You can't really go out as much. So if you are in the arts industry, which is what our market is, you know, with the arts industry, uh, you kind of stick to your, your craft and your art. So in that case, we're doing pretty well because people are stuck at home working on their music. We make music products. So it's going pretty well for us. We haven't seen a huge decline, knock on wood, and uh, we're pretty happy about that. <laughs> awesome. 
our podcast, the form of our podcast, the format of the whole, why we sit here is I'm squeezing out people who quote unquote made it in the industry and try to squeeze them out in regards to uh, what people should do to navigate this new industry better. And you're a guy who's been around for like quite a bit. What's the biggest change you observed in the industry over the last 10 to 15 years, besides the obvious shift to social media and the shift from music being the primary product to the influencer thing where your brand is your product and the music is kind of the, the advertising for your brand, so to speak? Well, I mean, the social, the social media is a huge shift. I mean, we can't really undermine how big of a shift that is. Um, you know, and what I mean by that, the biggest part of that shift is that anyone be, can become a star because of the social media. Even, you know, now it's TikTok. I mean, now you have TikTok stars. Are you on TikTok? Uh, technically, we have a company, TikTok, and I think we, our new marketing person is starting to uh, populate it, or if they haven't already, they're, they're about to. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's, that's a pretty interesting thing. I mean, if you rewind back to 20, 30 years, if you wanted to be a star, get on radio, TV, you couldn't do that independently. Impossible, yeah. Even 20 years ago, to, to get into a studio, to kind of get into a studio, produce a track on the highest level that it sounds good on the radio, that's like, that was, the, that was a thing for just a couple selected people. Yeah, no, it was an elite type of thing to do. Now you can have a good song or a good act or a good song be entertaining and you can have something go viral on, on social media. And, and the next thing you know, um, uh, you're, you're getting millions and millions of fans, millions of views, you're selling products. So that's pretty interesting. I think the other big shift is the music styles. I mean, you know, when we started out, you know, live music was, was still really big, like a lot live analog played music was still really big. I don't think it's mm -hmm. nearly as big anymore. Uh, you know, now you have electronic music and hip hop right. kind of dominating everything. Although I feel like it's coming back a little bit, don't you think? Like after the Maybe, whole e yeah. EDM wave in 2011, 14, 13, right now, like the, the whole... I think hip hop's really just dominating everything right now. It's kind yeah. of hard to see <laughs> anything under, under the big hip hop wave, you know? It's, right. Do you feel like the quality of music has declined due to availability of tools? Because everyone with a MacBook and, and the Slate plugins at home can make whatever music you want, practically. No, no I, I think it's actually the opposite. I think that now everyone has access to such good tools. People have access to such good equipment, such good tutorials to learn how to use it. That for the most part, it, I'm, you know, I remember when, when I first started out and then people would post music that linked to, you know, SoundCloud or I don't know where they used to link to. Anyway, that was, <laughs> right. you know, MySpace. Yeah. And, and I'd listen and like, it was pretty much a roll of the dice, like 50-50 as to whether it was going to be pretty good or like pretty shitty sounding. Now it's almost always pretty damn good sounding. Like it's very rare now that when people post their music, it doesn't sound good. Right. I feel like the demo days are over. Nobody makes demos anymore. No, I mean, everyone's polished. And everyone just knows what they're doing and they're using cool tools and everything sounds good. I mean, you know, some things sound better than others, but I mean, for the most part, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, some, someone with, you know, a, a somewhat uh, limited background in, in music production can learn, can get the tools, can find some avenues on the internet to you know, perfect their craft. And next thing you know, they're pumping out some pretty good sounding stuff. How do you stand out though as an artist? If everyone's that good, 
do you have to be better? Do you have to be different? You got to think differently. You got to be, yeah. You, 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 what it takes for, for you, for you as Steven Slade to notice someone on Instagram, let's say, and like, say like, Hey, this guy's dope. Besides making dope music, what should mm-hmm. catch your, like what element in his whole online I mean, presence? If, again, if there's some kind of crazy personality, doing something interesting, doing something entertaining, for instance, we just kind of signed this artist, who's going to be doing a lot of our TikTok videos and she's do, going to be doing a bunch of our production videos. And we just found her because she was tagging us on some, some videos and using our microphone. And she was just so entertaining as you're about to see. And she's so entertaining and she's so funny and she's so talented and she just had the whole package. I'm like, I told my marketing person, I'm like, <laughs> she's amazing. Let's, let's, let's yeah. do some stuff with her. So we designed her to a, a deal to start doing some videos for us. That's awesome. Brands like you signing signing people, that's actually awesome. Like the whole influencer marketing thing works and I see more and more brands doing that lately or like catching even up because that has been part of the whole game for, for fashion brands and so on. And now yeah. audio brands are catching on. Yeah, for sure. It's huge. How do you feel Slate's fitting in this whole new industry? Because your plugins are top notch. That's, that's why you do it. Like you give people at an incredible price, awesome signing plugins, they can start with producing high quality music right now. That's one side. Then you also have the Raven, which is a huge touchscreen that replaces a need for an analog desk. And then you also have the microphone, which is modeling and saving, like modeling other famous microphones and saving people money so they don't have to, to shell out multiple thousands of dollars for, for like a telephone con- or a Neumann microphone. So I, f- I feel like you fit into this whole new industry pretty well because you, you kind of taking away the expensive thing and give it to the people in terms of, Hey, this is available to you right now for that price. And then you also teach them on top with the Slate Academy. It's like the whole package. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's what we like to do. Lots of high quality stuff, not making you break the bank, teaching you how to use it. I mean, I think you said the word whole package. That's, that's our aim. That's what we're trying to provide people for sure. How do you feel about this whole thing where people argue about, and this is more of a technical stuff, but it's more interesting to me as a producer and an audio engineer. Like I see people argue all the time about does this thing sound as analog as this other thing? And you're probably sick of that <laughs> by now because I feel like if you can make great music with, with the Slate tools or with the Waves tools or with the Acoustica tools or with UAD, uh, what's the point? I feel like at this, sometimes people get into this thing where like, they would rather argue and compare tools and not make great music in, in that time. How do you feel? About yeah, there's, that? Kind of this, there's an old school type of mindset that luckily is dying off where they care more about the process than the product, the end result. That means they rather than, you know, sit down and make a piece of music, they'd rather go on the internet and argue about, you know, this plugin not being like their esoteric piece of analog gear. And it's, you know, that's fine. I mean, they can, that, that, that's what they, that, that's their enjoyment. Their enjoyment is <laughs> trying to like talk about the process, but I, I, I don't think the process matters as nearly as much as the product, the end result. Right. So, uh, we make plugins and analogs, uh, models, analog hardware, well, at least a lot of them do. Uh, we've gone out of our way to prove the authenticity of, of that modeling, but no matter what, I mean, I, I mean, I've literally, done blind tests for people where they like literally could not 
tell the difference. And yet they still made some kind of excuse as to why the analog was better. Right. Than this. Like, oh, like the oh, microphone oh. shootout at NAM. Nobody could hear the difference. <laughs> oh, I mean, we did. We, we shot out the, we shot the microphone in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, every single NAM show. We take the actual microphone. We do these really, really calibrated tests right up on the stage with huge ocean wave mains. No one can hear the difference. And, and yet there's still some people who just don't want to take that at face value. That's fine. I mean, you know, again, they, they, there's a nostalgia in this industry that some, in some cases it's going to take a long time for it to completely go away. But it's this nostalgia for, you know, the old school studio where you have this old, big old console, tape machines, <laughs> big microphones. And, and that, that dream is what keeps them right. feeling happy about it. Whereas right. I'm like, who, who cares what, what you got? It's about the, the end product and, and, the, and having fun during the creation process. Right. So that's nothing you care about really. You're more, more, you're targeted more towards people who are more or less new to this and who embrace the, the new. It's not just new. I mean, we have some of the most vintage engineers using our stuff. I mean, Sylvie Massey. Oh yeah, totally. New in the game and she uses a lot of our stuff. Oak Felder or, or Ross Hogarth. But it's not about new. It's about people who just don't care about sitting there debating gear. What a stupid, dumb thing to do. <laughs> Debate gear. Who the hell wants to do that? Debate plugins, debate gear. Make freaking music. That's the fun thing. That's yeah. what we're here to do. One hundred percent. We're gonna make music. Well, now, what goes into developing a plugin? Like, can you let? Can you please let me know how much time you spend on developing a plugin and how much effort is involved in putting like this little plugin into the? Yeah, into the it's a lot, man. Mixing it's, it's, it's way more than anyone would ever imagine. Um, you know, several months of, of first initial R and D, and then up to you know six months a year of, of, of right. additional work, depending on how new the, the code is and new the framework is. Infinity EQ took us two years. Um, Damn, because yeah. sometimes I feel like people people think like it's like slapping some lines of code, copy and paste, done, new plugin, new GUI. Yeah, I mean, even GUI implementation is extremely time-consuming and difficult and debugging. I mean, you've got to understand these plugins have to work in multiple OSs, Mac and PC, multiple DAWs, multiple formats. It is not an easy process. Um, and it's taken me over 10 years to uh, come to grips with that. Fact. <laughs> I want it to be easier. I want it to be faster. I'd love to just start cranking out plugins. Right. Well, at this point, you got so many plugins right now. You got everything. You got you get a synth. You get EQs. You get compressors, reverb. You got probably everything right now. So, what's next? We got a lot. Like of there, there's there's so much value packed into into the whole slate bundle. Like I can't even imagine what 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 could be next. Well, I'm glad you think that. That's that's always good to hear. Uh, but we do have some cool stuff in the works. Really cool stuff. I think uh, super excited. Yeah, that was also one of the questions people asked, like, "What's next? So what's the next plugin?" Yeah. Everyone's excited I mean, for I that. Think some of our best stuff is yet to come. Actually, I think we've got some amazing plugins that are well. That's new staples of processing for the industry. At least we certainly hope. Super excited. Talk about the Slate Academy a little bit, because some people might still not know about what it is. So when I was kind of growing up in the industry. I would look at the CD jackets of my favorite CDs and I would look at these guys who were credited as, you know, engineer and mixer and master engineer. And I'd be listening to these records and I would say to myself, how, like, how do these guys get these sounds? And I'd be making my own demos, throwing in the car, but like, God damn, it sounds like shit. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, how does, 
crystalloid algae get that snare sound? You know, like how is he getting that wide guitar sound? Like what's going on? Like how, what, what is he doing? Slate Academy is, is my chance and my, it's, it's an opportunity for me to show people how they're doing it. You know, I have some of the best producers, mixers, soon mastering engineers, showing people how they do it and giving them a session and showing them their processing and taking them step by step by step, showing them exactly how they get from zero to the finished product, which is this beautiful pro sound. And that's what Slit Academy is. And then beyond these amazing producers showing people how to make great music, uh, we have other masterclass courses on them, like EQ, compression, synthesis, and uh, it's just, it's really wonderful. I mean, if, you're, if you really are dedicated to this craft and want to take your skills to the next level, there's no better way to do it than with Slate Academy. Definitely. Yeah, I watched a couple of tutorials. Uh, Matthew Weiss, the, the mixing engineer oh. of Aiken, he's one of the best guys on there. I know him personally. Shout out to Matthew. Um, if anyone wants some crazy tutorials, this, this is the guy for mixing. For me personally, he's awesome. Yeah. He's great. He's an amazing teacher too. It's one thing to just be a really good producer and mixer, but to be a good producer mixer and to be a good teacher is a whole nother level. Definitely. I'd say it's time to move to some listener questions. So I asked people on Instagram to ask you a couple questions yesterday. Uh, most, of, most of the questions were unfortunately, or fortunately, what's the next plugin? But here are a couple more. How do you feel about competition in the audio plugin field in regards to other companies? You've got to take competition very seriously in any business. If there's anyone who's like, oh, I don't really care about competition, they're either lying or they're probably not the best business person. So I think competition <laughs> And um, uh, what, what I would say about competition is it, is it really just keeps you on your toes. You can learn a lot from your competition and it, it should be a motivating factor to keep doing better. I mean, you should never get complacent there are certainly when I started in this industry, there was one or two companies that were pretty complacent and you don't even, they're, they're gone. You know, you hear of them no longer because companies like Slate and other companies, not just us, um, took them out. Mm-hmm. You know, they got too complacent. And, uh, I don't ever want to do that. I always want to keep on pushing and, and, and moving and progressing and, Competition what, are, that. what are the deciding factors for you, for a company to be at the forefront, to not get forgotten? Well, you've got to stay relevant with great products and great company culture that... I think you, two things on my end. First of all, your customer support is top notch. And I feel like for the future, customer support will become even more important to each and every company. Um, yes top-notch and second thing is storytelling like you always tell the relevant stories while advertising some people might find it like corny or funny i feel like i feel like it's, it's genius like the whole apple aspect that you have to your to your whole company and you present everything with a story i mean storytelling is everything even for for musicians yeah. and for for any brand like do you have a story or are you just selling like no-name products what's your story yeah this is what i feel like especially for you uh, is sitting the, the right spot. Sure. Most useless or most useful thing you bought recently for around $100? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> you can find so much crap. I mean, 
You know what? I'm going to answer that actually. Uh, an air fryer. If you're in quarantine, buy an air fryer and, and have fun with that thing. I've been using my air fryer quite a bit and it's very useful. I, I think I'm, I'm assuming the person was probably talking about audio stuff, but that's a bad question for me because I don't buy, you know, I make audio stuff. I don't really right. get a lot of audio stuff. So. Do, do you have a studio at home, like studio setup? I do now. I didn't before, I, and that was by design. I didn't want to have to leave work and go home to more work, you know. Um, but now I have a little studio setup, but uh, I didn't previously. I, I wanted to keep my work life and my home life separate. Right. What do you use? The laptop that I'm talking to you on, a VRS8, and um, some KRK speakers. Right. Very minimalistic. Should do the job, though. Yeah. Totally. Right. By the way, do you work out at home? I do. I have a gym here. I put a gym in my house a long time ago because I knew that the only way I was going to not have an excuse as to why I couldn't go is if I just had it right down the hall. And so luckily it's been good during quarantine. Right. What's your routine? How often do you work out? I try to do uh, some type of cardio thing three times a week and then some type of uh, weights three times a week. And at this point, man, I'm, I'm almost 40. I just want to maintain. I'm not looking to become Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Well, there's the point either. Like you're not in bodybuilding you're in the music business yeah. in the end. Last question from the listener side. What's your favorite coffee roast? If you have one or do you, do you even drink coffee? I drink a lot of coffee. This is actually a good question for my assistant because we go through lots of different coffee at the studio and we order this one. Let me see if she knows the answer to this. Do you feel different coffee roasts affecting you differently caffeine wise? So when it comes to caffeine, it doesn't affect me at all. I drink coffee at this point just because I love it. <laughs> uh, I can drink a double espresso right before bed and my eyes Jesus. and I will sleep. Yeah, some people can, can just do that. Like I drink one I, coffee and I'm flying all day. No, not me. I'm caffeine immune. I mean, I've cut down immensely on my coffee intake. At one point I was drinking you don't even want to know. I mean, I was drinking a, a, a cup of coffee every hour during the day, at least. Jesus. <laughs> I'll be yeah. dead by now. <laughs> right. Huge coffees. They're not, not like American coffees. I mean, the small kind of espresso-ish kind of coffees. But, right. Uh, but they do bang. Like, I drink one of those and it's enough. You guys have amazing coffee in Germany. Uh, really, really good coffee. You know, much better than you, you'd think. Cause I, mean, I mean, I don't know when the last time you went to the U.S. Is, I mean, U.S. coffee, for the most part, is is water with this like coffee flavor. It's just right. water and shit. It's where does it come from? Like where do people, is, is it like locally harvested? I think the like problem is the ratio of water to coffee in the U.S. is is really off. I mean, it's just, it's just so little coffee per ounce of water that it just doesn't, it's not correct. But if you know where to go here, you can find some places that, uh, that serves some good stuff. And then of course right. I make mine here. Let me see yeah, we, we got great coffee houses here in Berlin. Like those small coffee shops, they're awesome. Yeah, I've always liked European coffee, but German coffee in particular, I think is actually really nice. Yeah, people drink it strong here. Like they like it yeah. because Germans, Berliners, they're like the working class. So like it's real yeah. black, really like hardcore. So, yes. but it tastes yeah. really good. We also yeah. got lots of, lots of Turkish and Arab uh, coffee yeah. places here. They're awesome as well. 
Yeah, we went and we were ordering coffee from a, a bunch of different places, and we found one that was really good. And I just can't remember where it's from. So she, she right. Hit me. All right, last question. What's your favorite non-slate plugin? Man, there's like so many. Um, uh, how do you feel about How do you feel about Soothe? I was just gonna say Soothe. Mm -hmm. yeah, really I feel like that that's the best plugin that came out. I think Soothe is great. Days. I think the Golfos is great. I think Golfos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Golfos, Golfos. I think that's really good. Right. Those really good. Oh, you know what's great <laughs> is the new Waves Ovox. I haven't tried that one. Oh, it's so Wait. fun. That thing's so cool. Um, what's another really cool one? I mean, those, those three stand out to me. Right. Soothe is like life-changing. Yeah, what do you use it on? Vocals. Vocals and the whole master bus. Just to notch yeah. out either like the lower mids, the mud, yeah. or soothe out the, the hard-sounding percussion or like white noise. Cool. Yeah. It's really good on the master. Especially with the version two right now that's been rehashed and made less of a CPU hog. Yeah, cool. It's way better on the master. Thanks a lot. Coming back, I want to talk about one more thing and then I'll let you off. Let's talk a little bit about hardships. You've been in the business for quite a while. You've built a business and as an entrepreneur, you know how hard it is to, to build a business. Can you yeah. talk maybe a little bit about a couple like one major failure that I had because in, in a business you have failures on, on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis. That's not even worth talking about. Like, can you talk about maybe one or two moments where like, shit, that happened to me. I overcame it and made me stronger afterwards. I mean, there's a lot of these things that have happened to us. I mean, really a lot. <laughs> Here's one I haven't really spoken about much. Um, yeah, I know the story about the, about the CDs that you duplicated. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of heard like, that one. If you have right. Google it, and you can probably find that story. So that's when, that one's been a little bit overdone. Right. But one that hasn't been spoken about is, you know, we came out with a Raven somewhere in 2012, and then the MTI, the smaller version, soon after. The smaller version was American-made. It was built like a tank in an aluminum frame. It was 2500 bucks, and people really – liked it it was certainly cheaper than the bigger version which was over ten thousand uh but it was still not a kind of piece like 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 to spend twenty five hundred bucks i wouldn't call that a consumer audio market piece you know what i mean by that like this was not something that you know oh let's spend twenty five hundred bucks it was too much and i knew that we needed to make a unit for 9.99 which is how much the mti2 is still to this day i knew that that was the price point that was going to make sense for people to really get into this kind of technology so I worked a long, long time to figure out how to get the MTI to, to become this price. It was not easy. I mean, it is a very sophisticated device. The type of projective capacitive, uh, capacitive uh, uh, film that we needed was really expensive because it was very esoteric, had to be much faster than what was out there. The software was extremely expensive to produce. And, but finally, we came out with this thing. We came out with this MTI 2. And like within the first two months of coming out the MTI2 at 999, our sales were through the roof. And we were really selling this thing. And, and I was recouping this giant investment that I'd made into it. And then all of a sudden, our factory in Asia has an earthquake. And it knocks the whole factory out. So right at the point of some success, we can no longer get product. 
And you have to understand, I mean, this is my separate company, this is Slate Audio. We were relying on revenue from, from this and well, what are we going to do? So we had, you know, eight or nine months to, to figure out what to do until we can get more people this product. And really what it came down to is learning how to properly communicate, send up a team to communicate with your dealers, communicate with your customers. You know, a lot of people were, had already made orders. They're waiting for these pieces and, you know, trying our best to work with the factory and who was, you know, obviously they had their own problems with getting back up and they, they, they didn't just make Raven MTIs for us. Uh, and then also trying to figure out what we can do in the meantime to increase revenue. Uh, the same company that does the Ravens also does the drum software and we had to push more drum software sales and do more marketing. And we just really had to, to fight for eight months. We had to fight, fight, fight to figure out what we're going to do to make sure people weren't going to just say, you know what, I'm done with this whole Raven thing. Screw it. I'm waiting too long. And, and during that time, we, we worked a lot on the software. So I said, all right, well, we're finally able to sell the hardware again. The software is going to have a major update and we're going to have more DAWs and more features. And we got through that eight months. And by the time uh, the Raven was ready to sell again, the software had been improved. Uh, we were doing really well with drum software sales. And we, we made it through. But it took a lot of work and a lot of perseverance. Um, a lot of just motivated people saying, hey, we're not going to let this situation take down this organization. Do you burn out, personally? Sometimes. I think everyone does. I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's important to, to not let yourself burn out. Give yourself some breathing, uh, some breathing breaks, you know? Take a how, break. How, do, how do you keep your mental health intact? For that because i mean i can't even imagine for me as a one-man shop to keep my mental health kind of in intact that that's difficult like i need to actively take time off and recover like what do you do as a guy who has like tens of people you have to have good people around you supporting you you have to have put things in into perspective you have to believe that you'll make the right decisions and your team will make the right decisions so that you can keep progressing and moving on to right pastures. What motivates you like to keep pushing? What is it like in your life that gives you the, the fire besides obviously the, the passion for music and the responsibility for the people you have around to kind of care for them? Passion for the customers and, and knowing that, you know, what we're doing will hopefully be a little part of their happiness. And I take that seriously. You know, I take it seriously that uh, if someone's there crafting a piece of music, that's, that's their happy place and that's their happy time. And that's what they're doing. You know, that's their aspirational part of their life. And if I can, and, and we can contribute to that in some small way, then we are doing good. We're doing good in the world. You know, it gives me, gives me, us a purpose. So I think that's the, the, the major motivating factor. Right. And I think you're, you're a huge part of that. You revolutionized multiple parts of the industry like the the modeling the hardware modeling part the making plugins of uh, accessible to to like people who can cannot afford like a 500 euro or like dollars plugin and that's awesome with that all happening right now and i mean the question is not um it's not too legit in that regard but where do you feel the music industry going over the next two to three years technically and in general I think, and this is something I've said before, I think it's going to really move towards more of a results-driven industry where people are really going to be focused on making a great piece of music creatively and efficiently 
And it's going to be about the end product versus the old school way, which was really focused on the process. Right. What, what does it mean for an artist, for example? <clears throat> it means for an artist, they're going to be able to get stuff done faster, crank out more stuff faster, which obviously is very important in this climate, you know? Um, uh, I think it's going to be about the efficiency of getting product out. It's going to increase quite a bit. Do you think for a musician, it's more important to have quantity or, or quality of content and music coming out or like a balance certainly between quality, those two? Certainly quality is important, but um, nowadays, you, you know, if you're not competing in the marketplace, which is you got to have stuff out there, I think that's a problem too. So I think it's really got to be the package of both. You need to have both. You can't have one or the other because if you don't have one or the other, or if you don't have both, someone else will have both. I feel like by now and with, the people I work and coach, I feel like still the majority of, of musicians haven't caught up to the thing where you need to be a good musician, but you have to have as, as, as good or even better marketing that supports your yeah. whole message and to push it out there. So if that's one message I can put, push out here right now is take marketing seriously and don't see marketing as this snake oil thing where it's like it's bad to market yourself like you have to market yourself and marketing is 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 good marketing is just presenting your value to the world and then sure. amplifying it by using whatever outlets sure because there's a lot of people who still think that marketing is a bad thing to do it's like yeah but how do you put food on your table in the end yeah agreed you have a great pro product and then you push it out to people and share your message and that's where i feel slate is nailing great products and a great messaging. I appreciate well, that. I appreciate you. Well, at this point, I think that's been it. Um, if there's one message you'd love to share with our audience, feel free to do so now. Be kind. Yeah, that, that's, that's my motto for the podcast. It's be kind and make good music. That's mm -hmm. how I end it usually. Thanks a lot for coming onto the podcast. I think the majority of people listening are already using your products. If not, Check out Steven Slade on Instagram. Check out his products. Get a we have a demo. You do have a demo for your products. We have some demos, but uh, soon we're going to have a whole demo for everything. It's going to be one download. You'll be able to check everything out. Right. And you also switch from physical iLog to, to the cloud. Yeah. So you don't even need a USB key no, to check out your product. Well, check out Steven's products. And I greatly appreciate you coming onto the podcast. That's Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you, you guys too. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Cheers. Thanks. Alrighty then. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was of value to you. And if it was, please consider rating this podcast with five stars on the Apple Podcast app, on the Google Play Store, and Spotify. That will help to bring up the podcast in the top 100 list. And it will motivate me bringing more awesome guests onto the podcast, which will be the case next week with a secret guest. All right, see you next week. Be kind and make damn good music.